seems like there's a strategic choice being made by the National Rally Marine Defense mm-hmm. Force to basically take the position that they're in in Parliament with 89 deputies, which is technically speaking the largest opposition caucus among the groups, given the fact that the left-wing alliance parties are divided and basically... Um, Technically not a unitary group. Sure, yeah, exactly. Have. And basically the, the it seems the, the strategic choice that the National Rally is making right now, or at least trying to, to go ahead with, is to basically present themselves as... I don't want to say a loyal opposition. Yeah, but but like a, something a of a... In the of, interests of in, the nation. Exactly, yeah. Sort of. Like... Obviously, they don't stand for the same vision of the future, or they claim to not, as Macron does, but they're willing to put above sort of party quarrels and present themselves as somewhat of a constructive Responsible. And Macron is eager to somewhat... Obviously, he's gotten a lot of flack for some of the kind of eagerness to welcome this initiative or to indulge this, but it seems like a lot of people in his forces want to have sort of the national rally and the far right in this position of somewhat of a, a constructive opposition force is the word that is often thrown around. Yeah. Uh, maybe just, I guess, to remind people, I guess, because we didn't fully state it, what is the big news is, and it shouldn't be brushed over, Macron still has a governing majority, but he's basically lost an absolute majority in parliament. Yeah. And this really is a new situation yeah. in the last sort of 20 years, more or less. I mean, specifically since a key electoral reform yeah, 20 years ago. Yeah. But more or less, as you said, reparliamentarization, the loss of an absolute majority. Basically what that means is Macron to pass laws, and he'll still be in the initiative. The Macronists will still largely be in the initiative when it comes to, to governing propositions and whatnot. But he basically now has to get votes from opposition forces. Yeah, um, And right. it seems like... He's more disposed to work with the RN. Or just the, the, the right, the broader right. Uh, yeah, no, I think the, the point to be made is that the, the far right have power, have influence in Parliament now, mainly because they have a very large group. Mm. Um, and now Macron has made some decisions to back them implicitly through working with the centre-right. He's some, somewhat strong-armed into it, you know. He doesn't have enormous space to manoeuvre, although he could work with the left if he wanted to, if he was willing to do the stuff that they wanted to do, but he clearly thinks that his route to getting stuff done that he wants to do is with the centre-right, and that means also working with the far-right. I think what what he's going to want, what he's going to try to sell is a very, I mean, because I guess in the week after the election, what was sort of pushed to the side where were sort of hypotheses about a national unity government mm-hmm. or even just like specific governing contracts yeah. with opposition forces. Yeah. And what basically what this means now is that it's going to be sort of law by law, case by case basis yeah. of negotiations. And what he wants, and this is entirely within his sort of self-conception of himself mm-hmm. as a political figure, it's very, it's almost somewhat gallist in, yeah. in its sort of, in its self-presentation and the whole just sort of optics of it, mm-hmm. is what he wants is to have sort of a series of bills where, for one, it, you know, it got the votes from the national rally, mm. so that will be, and maybe some LR, mm. LR people, that will be security-related mm. things or whatnot. Yeah. He wants also votes on other texts from members of the Noobs Coalition. Mm. Um, so he wants to be able to sort of 
Pick and choose. Yeah. Um, and basically this involves him sort of massaging or sort of mm. ushering the far right into some sort of position of political legitimacy. Yeah, um, because he's going to need their votes and stuff. And they're willing to give votes for legitimacy. Yeah. And the left, what he wants to do with the left is he wants to split the noop up. And so he's been meeting all the leaders of all the different formal parties in the noop yeah. to try and... Yeah. Well, except for, well, yeah, to try and sort of wrangle something and see what points of weakness there are, how we, you know, and so the, the only one who hasn't really been holding, sort of hanging tough mm. in public discourse uh, on the noop side uh, is uh, the PCF. Uh, national secretary who's been out there saying some weird shit like I might join a national government and blah 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 and it's just like dude stop it sure <laughs> um, I guess there was uh, it's sort of in, through this all the far right is sort of just eating this up I mean uh, there was one I guess and this is sort of to kind of lead into what we wanted to discuss this episode as far as sort of a historical Background of, well, so, of the place of parliament versus the president. Well, so just to be clear, this what is going on now is historic in various different ways. Sure. One, this parliament reparliamentarization in a way that never really been under the Fifth Republic, mm. and two, uh, what you're about to, to, to mention, which is well, this massive far right group in sure. parliament now, yeah. three times bigger than any other group they've ever had, and the what is it the doyen of the assemblée was it sure, like yeah. what the equivalent of like the the sort of speaker or whatever. No, it's the, 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 the sort of, I guess, doyen literally means dean, but it's yeah, sort of the yeah. rank of the sort of the senior member of the National Assembly. Oh, it's Assembly. like the father of the house. Yeah, it's oh, the okay. senior member sort of in terms of age and whatnot oh, okay. of the National Assembly gives sort of an inaugural speech, evidently. Yeah. And it just so happens that this year, um, this was last, this was this past Thursday, I think. Uh, I think it was maybe like the first session, uh, sort of first formal session. And it just so happens that this year, the sort of senior member of the new parliament was a recently elected deputy of the far right. <coughs> and he gave a very brief speech, um, but it sort of raised a lot of eyebrows um, because sort of midway through his speech, he actually starts to kind of he starts to sort of lose control of his emotions and he starts tearing up and he more or less, I don't have the quote right in front of me, but he sort of alludes to, I guess he had a passing thought that just overwhelmed him for, I guess, his childhood in French Algeria. French Algeria. Yeah. Um, and he sort of, yeah, he sort of tears up thinking about the people, the friends he was forced to leave behind um, when Algeria earned its independence. Yeah. Um, Won its independence. Right. And this was a victory. This was just sort of a victory lap. It was so, Marine yeah. Le Pen, Marine Le Pen read the speech beforehand. Mm. Um, she approved the speech by this guy. Mm. And this was a shot across the bow. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean so... The left-wing deputies entirely called it out for what it was, literally. The far right national rally, formerly the National Front, Colonial showing nostalgia. its true colors. Yeah. And I guess, historically, the National Front, now the National Rally, as a force, traces yeah. entirely its origins are the Algerian War. In this period of the right. Algerian War, beginning of the Fifth Republic. And, yeah. I mean, you know, to, to people who aren't necessarily that familiar with French history, this might seem somewhat innocuous, you know, like, oh, a bit of nostalgia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the Algerian War was an absolutely seismic event in French history. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, 
it, it destroyed the French Fourth Republic. It created the modern French far right. Mm. It created the center the center right that we know today, at mm. least formally. You know, it the spectres. You know, the system that we live under, the Fifth Republic, was created. You know, in the midst of right. basically a series of attempted coups and military insurrections mm. in in Algeria. Um, you know, amongst far right terrorism, both mm. in France and Algeria. You know, this was an incredibly sort of uh, and a traumatic and and kind of violent period where massive changes happened and the spectres from this moment in French the sort of origins of the French mm. Republic the fifth, fifth French Republic you know I'm always struck at how much they are still with us mm. today you know like you know so many of the politicians today like modern political figures in France today um have their origins mm. in that moment you know Zemmour for example he is a French Algerian. He wasn't. He wasn't born in Algeria. No, his parents were. Yeah, were, yeah, yeah. Were, I guess refugees yeah, or, yeah. or, or, or Pinois. I mean, mil- I mean, we'll get into this later on, you know. But millions of people sure. migrated from Algeria after yeah. that, and you know, the it One, was uh, it was the the army in Algeria was a hotbed of French fascism, basically, right. more or less, or different hues of French fascism. Yeah. Um, One example of just the, I guess maybe the best comparable sort of. I guess the best sort of comparison point for this would be the strange politics of Southern Florida, where you basically have the emigres of, of, the of, of Cuba. And all the Cubans but, in Florida are like But basically, right-wing. one of the reasons that if you look at sort of electoral maps of, of France and the great bastion and sort of the first major bastion of mm. the far right, yeah. of the National Front well, in it's French politics the colonies, was the it's South. All, it's all, yeah. But yeah. was sort of Provence. And this yeah. was because basically the... the the French, wave of sort of Pinois, Pinois French called. people who were forced to Columns, leave, yeah. um, or who were forced to leave Algeria after the war, um, ended up settling in the south, in the and south. they're still far right. Um, yeah, like Jean-Luc Mélenchon, obviously on the I guess the other side of the political spectrum, yeah. he was born in um, Morocco. He was born in Morocco. Um, yeah. had to leave during the same period, um, but you know, like a, I mean, this period. I mean, the, the the far right. I mean, a few was it last year? The letter, the letter of the generals. Right, right, right. You know, these generals put out this letter saying France is going into a civil war. We're gonna, we're gonna have, the to, step gonna have to step in. in. There will thousands will die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these savages on the outskirts of our cities. Blah blah yeah. blah. Like full rivers of blood, fascism shit. You know, and they released it. The open letter on the anniversary of one of the sort of attempted coups sure, that took place sure, in the context of this yeah. period in which de Gaulle basically completely reshaped right. French institutions. Um, shall we get into just the chronology and then we can go... Sure, yeah. I guess ground you guys, I guess to remind you, we're mostly, I guess, ventriloquizing or speaking yeah. about um, an excellent book by Gray Anderson, and we alluded to this in the last episode. It's called The Civil War in France, 1958 to 1962. It's not yet translated, but I believe with, there with, is a With the time. subtitle, uh, From the Gaullist Coup d'etat to the End of the OAS. The OAS was uh, so a, a far-right. far-right terrorist group that was against Algerian independence. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and yeah, so I guess, to again briefly just describe the argument of the book, it's, it's about this very hotly intense period in, in French politics between the sort of mid-late 50s. And, Intensely formative. Right, extremely uh, formative. It's 
a history of the origins of the Fifth Republic yeah. as sort of a kind of right-wing revolution. I yeah, guess. from the from the perspective of how do you say what what kind of civil war? Because at the time, everyone was talking about civil war, right? Right. right. Uh, and, and 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 you know, very plausibly, a civil war almost happened. Right, but right. plausibly, it did happen because Algeria was part of France, right? right. Uh, and so there was a civil war going on in Algeria, right. technically. Um, and therefore France, but you know, it's the, the the sort of thesis of the the take of the book on the whole is that we tend to think of France as this post sixty eight society, May sixty eight, right. this great uprising of the left, and so on and so on and so on. Yeah. Actually, France today is much more of a post fifty eight mm. uh, society. Mm. Now, fifty eight is when the French Fifth Republic or the first kind of the. the the constitution was new constitution mm. was put in place in fifty eight mm. and and the sort of shape of the institutions and and the kind of procedures that would uh, kind of determine it for mm. the future ended in about sixty two being mm. put in place mm. and so there's this period from fifty eight to sixty two which is really the the, the truth the, the the true formative shaping mm. period of of France not really sixty eight and in many ways sixty eight papered over mm. this 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 other this other thing that, that happened uh, mm. ten mm. years before, um, and so I guess we'll get into the chronology, sure, sure, sure. and then we can just get into some chat about the yeah. names. Uh, I guess the we'll, well, we'll, we'll so the first place to start and the place the book starts. Sure, I think it's, it's important to is the really important battle in Vietnam called Dien Bien Phu, which uh, in which General Jap and uh, the Vietnamese forces uh, defeated a professional French. Kind of technologically advanced right. army, um, and it was like a met, went, sent shockwaves around France, sent shockwaves around the world, really, uh, and was this sort of death knell of French colonization. Mm. Basically, mm. It, it was a turning point in the mm. decolonization process. Um, and meanwhile, in Algeria, there's the FLN, there's the beginnings of the well, not the beginnings, but the continuation of a struggle for independence, and all of this brings the the fifth republic sorry the fourth republic into into crisis, into crisis. Yeah. the fourth republic is a sort of rehash of the third republic before the second world war which is heavily parliamentarized mm. most governments take place through like kind of heteroclite coalitions mm. i think there were there were periods when a government was falling every month and a half yeah. or something yeah. in the final years it was just and yeah. you know there's more and more of a push for the idea of Algerian independence, but at the time, you know, French Algeria, the idea of a F Algeria being French was incredibly popular. Um, it wasn't just some far-right thing, it, right. was, it was incredibly popular. And there's the spectrum of, I guess, legitimate opinion in this period, really yeah. up until sort of independence, more or less. It seems like it was, you were either... If you, if you were for Algerian independence, you were illegitimate. Sure, and the, the um, opinions went from sort of, you know, the kind of liberal, sort of modernist colonialism, which mm. was accepted by, I guess, the, the socialists, the, the social democrats, the, the SFEO, to, I guess, what the military forces on the ground and the sort of hard-right Algerian fascists, I guess, yeah. more or less, were calling for just surge of troops, complete military clamp down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah maximal right. suppression and repression right. of those wanting independence. So anyway, in uh, on May 13th, 1958, in this climate, there is this sort of rearguard action uh, because the people in charge of the Fourth Republic are mainly different hues of centre, kind of left 
uh, groupings, mm. and uh, they are despised by the military. Uh, and so there's in this climate in Algeria, there is a, a mass protest is organised by the for the Pinoir, the Pinoir are, are French Algerians, um, and within that context. You know, a sort of typical, supposedly popular uprising, but then the army conveniently steps in and they're on the side of the protesters mm. and they take charge of all the civil buildings mm. and they declare a sort of committee for public safety, which is, of course, the sort of reference to the, to the revolution. And it sort of comes up again and again throughout French history, this, this term, as a kind of alternate, alternative le- institution of legitimacy, mm. which can take charge when things are out of order or, or illegitimate or whatever. And this these pop up all over Algeria, all over a lot of North Africa, even even in Corsica. Mm. And so this is like a massive crisis. Pop up is a bit of a generous term. And there is this sort of shadow network. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, I, I don't mean to say... Political operatives, Vichy... No, I, I don't mean to say that it's uh, spontaneous, sure. you know, uh, po- the, the movement pushed them forward. No, no, no. This was all being planned in dark rooms uh, beforehand, this rearguard action, yeah. because the idea was to pressure the government into doing what they wanted, was, which was either one, abandoning the idea of Algerian independence, and two, changing the person in charge. Mm. And they achieved basically both those things. I mean, this, this event uh, at the time was seen as an enormous success for the right, mm. because basically what it, what it, what it uh, provoked was, de Gaulle, was the, uh, all the parties, or the vast majority of the parties in uh, Parliament choosing de Gaulle and so they get de Gaulle in because de Gaulle's the only one who can handle the situation this whole time de Gaulle has been pro-French Algeria kind of encouraging the military to oppose this sort of chaotic reign of the parties and Mm. so on and so he was perceived as on their side Mm. and so when he is put in the position of power in the fourth republic to sort of take charge of the situation. This is seen as an incredibly successful rearguard action by the, the right and the far right to put their man mm. in power. And so this, you know, and they're, you know, they're even seen by many people as sort of, you know, how should you say, defending France. You know, they weren't, it wasn't viewed as a kind of military threat mm. to French, France's legitimacy. It was seen as an authentic sort of... Someone, you know, the army defending France's sort of destiny and integrity. Well, that's the, it's interesting, the, the, the kind of powerlessness of the government in the situation. They, well, they, they, they saw what was going on out of fear of essentially, I mean, provoking a civil war. Well, exactly. They the, were like, we have to, we need, we can't cut bridges. There, there was this yeah. kind of interesting game of cat and mouse yeah. in those few weeks in May where... They know they've sort of lost control yeah. of the situation in Algeria. Oh, yeah, they're hesitant to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're basically outmaneuvered to the point where their only option is considering civil war and or putting de Gaulle in yeah. and having him handle it. And it's obviously... Uh, de Gaulle, you have to say, I mean, just ever, I'm sure everyone knows who Charles de Gaulle is, yeah. but the, the it's... I guess a bit difficult to perhaps overstate the degree of just prestige. Yeah. And well, just to be just to, mean, just to be clear, you know, this is the guy who liberated France, who is personal legitimacy completely unparalleled. Yeah. In French politics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe ever, certainly in the twentieth century. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, today, a few week, a few months ago, you had this parade of politicians with 
all claiming to laying be sort of flowers together at, at De Gaulle's burial place in his village. I mean, he's still the sort of the the patron saint of, of modern French politics, yeah. at least on the right. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, um, and so, anyway, this uh, De Gaulle once De Gaulle's in power, he starts doing some quite joke strongman shit and just being like, "We're going to do this. No one can say shit. Shut your mouth." And he uh, puts in a referendum for a new constitution. Because he, de Gaulle, has also been against the sort of Republican model of governance mm. uh, since day one. You know, he's a bit of an authoritarian, de Gaulle. You know, he's not far right, certainly not. Um, but he's a very traditionalist right, mm. you know, who mm. thinks the strong leader is a very important thing. And so he thinks strong executive is better. We need to get rid of this parliamentary bullshit. And so referendum on a new constitution, he backs it with all his personal legitimacy. It's voted in like massively by the French population. And that's the French Fifth Republic Constitution, mm. 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 which is basically created uh, for de Gaulle to be able to kind of do what he wants to handle the situation by being able to circumvent parliament when he needs to and impose shit and get shit done and he had six months of of total powers as well yeah. from, from oh yeah from emergency his, powers yeah, yeah six months of emergency powers from i guess his arrival as yeah. president of the conseil in the yeah. republic yeah. Yeah. but in the new constitution which was more or less drafted by kind of his right hand man and eventual first prime minister for much of i think the first half of yeah, the 60s yeah. when michel debray was yeah there his shadow guy. Um, but as far as sort of the initial kind of legal or constitutional tweaks that really changed the nature of the regime was now the president had, and this would become a sort of staple of Gaullist, mm. I guess, political Just governance. Just fifth republic practice. Uh, the referendum. So the Gaul, um, the, the new yeah. constitution stipulated. Um, he I could guess, call a referendum call ref- whenever it wanted. He could there dissolve. Was some he could Kepler dissolve. Law. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but he could dissolve parliament. And the president could dissolve wanted. parliament instead of the, the, the president had all the uh, sort of prerogative when it came to foreign policy, military sure. stuff, diplomatic stuff, um, and so and and and. But over this period, so now we're sort of getting into fifty nine, sixty. The the sort of the, there's a, a sort of re-narrativization of what fifty eight was at this. That this is the climate. Yeah. So instead of it being a rearguard action, which by the Gaullists. by the by p- people loyal to De Gaulle, people on De Gaulle's side, right, right. to get to get him into power, and it being a victory for the right on those terms, it's being that re-narrativized by the Gaullists as a kind of De Gaulle stepping in to neutralize a threat that had nothing to do with him, mm-hmm. more or less. And so during this period where. De Gaulle is distancing himself from the Algerian army, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Algerian army that did this original kind of insurrection Mm -hmm. thing. To maybe give a bit of the history, because there is just sort of the geopolitical situation is really important for me. I mean, De Gaulle, like, sure, a conservative traditionalist guy Mm -hmm. who... um, But he was also a, a political realist in a lot of respects. And by this point, you also had a huge change in sort of US foreign policy vis-a-vis um, I guess decolonization. Uh, it just became kind of politically untenable. Yeah, yeah. He was for... he was clever enough, or at least shrewd enough, to realize that the cause for French Algeria, which he had supported so far, 
was dead in the water. Right. And that it wasn't right. it, it wasn't going to be possible to do what the sort of ultras in Algeria sure, sure. wanted. Sure, sure. Let, let, yeah, I mean, let alone what they wanted. It would yeah. it would be impossible. It would wasn't going to be possible to keep French Algeria full stop. Yeah, I mean, it was also um, having huge. I mean, a huge impact just economically on France. I mean, the phrase that the French have for the post-war period, the sort of thirty glorious years. Yeah. In the fifties, I mean, this is this is kind of a retro retrospective yeah, yeah, yeah. memory, but that the, doesn't in the fifties, French is the French. Most of the fifties was a big failure of a decolonial war in France, basically. Right, right. Whether um, it's Vietnam, pouring or, or Algeria, exactly. Algeria. Um, and these were, I mean. France was in balance of payments crisis, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, devaluing the currency. It, yeah. it, it was. It was. It was. It, in in De Gaulle's view, France was embarrassing itself yeah, on, yeah. on the pub, on the sort of global stage. Right, right, right. But so you know, as a result of all of this, De Gaulle starts to renarrativize fifty eight, and he's distancing himself with the Algerian army. He's even talking about a referendum on self determination mm. for the Algerian people, so on and so on and so on. And as a result. The people in the army who did the 58 thing, mm. they thought, well, let's do it again. You know, let, let's try and do another one of those and we'll force the government into a, into a crisis and then we'll impose our terms and so mm. on. Mm. Like last time, we'll be hailed as heroes, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so it was a bit of a mini, mini one. Uh, there was a big sort of protest of Pianoir and that. Mm. It's called the Week of the Barricades, where all these barricades went up across... Algeria and the Pienoir and particularly the ultra groups sort of seized all these buildings. There was, I think, quite a few people died and it was able to take place because the army didn't step in, basically. The army didn't step in and sort of allowed it to happen and then you have the typical thing where the army then is like, oh, we're here to sort of make things better and blah, 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 but we're also going to use this as a lever of power to put pressure on the government. It didn't work. Um... And it was, you know, but because the army was able to retain this veneer of we we didn't plan this, mm. you know, no too serious consequences came of it, but it didn't work. They just kind of delegitimized themselves more and entrenched de Gaulle more in his mm. trajectory, mm. Or, sort of away from that particular alliance mm. with the far right and the far right in particular mm. in the <clears throat> Algerian military. Um, and then as a result of this sort of failure, you know, you have a sort of radicalization of this of, of these ultras, and that becomes the OAS, mm -hmm. the Organisation Armée Secrète, uh, which uh, the secret army organization, which was a terrorist organization, far right terrorist organization, uh, which probably at its peak only had about a thousand cadres. It's still not bad. Military officers, but they were all <laughs> military officers. Yeah, yeah, with like access to weapons, with access to weapons, and... with men under their command, right. and so on and so on. So you know, it's not bad. And then all these terrorist attacks going on. Uh, you know, lots of Algerians just being murdered. You know, terrorist attacks in in, in mainland France as well, and the sort of intensification of this, particularly because after that, in oh god, I'm gonna get it. I hope I don't get this wrong. I think it's sixty one. The uh, referendum on self determination is taking place and so obviously massive intensification around there uh you know i mean they killed hundreds of people you know they killed mayors mm. they it, there was a moment at left which wing intellectuals were being left-wing intellectuals the lawyers to go to go survive an assassination mitterrand no. survived two no i think one of which is one of which questionable is questionable and there's all this potential sort of conspiracy, conspiracy history his uh, sort of 
conspiracy historiography behind there that maybe it was faked and, yeah. and so on, but we, we won't get into that. Um, but, you know, people getting assassinated all over the place. Yeah. Um, and finally, the sort of final moment of radicalization of this, of this far-right struggle to keep Algeria French uh, happens with an actual attempted coup, what is referred to as the putsch mm. uh, of, uh, of 62. And... Uh, um, and in this case, the military do rise up. They take buildings. It's been planned. It's mm. obviously in communication with the OAS. There's mm. obviously an enormous amount of porousness slash complete coincidence in between the OAS mm. and uh, the, the the sort of military uh, leaders that are that are take. I mean, literally, kind of occupying government buildings mm. Mm. and so on in Algeria. Uh, now, this putsch. What they wanted to do is, again, they wanted to do 58 again. They wanted to strong-arm the government into doing what they wanted, basically, put pressure in that way. But things had changed so much in public discourse. The support for French Algeria was lower, support for self-determination was higher, de Gaulle wasn't with them, and it failed miserably. And within the space of days, the leaders were either handing themselves in, escaping to some safe house somewhere in Algeria, or were captured. And so... Uh, that's how that whole sort of sordid affair ends. And then finally um, comes the last piece of the French Fifth Republic, which is the referendum on universal suffrage for the election of the president. And this, this is the sequence of events which, which creates, which is the origin of the Fifth Republic. Um, let's go on to, 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 the, to the main sure, themes to be taken sure. out. Um, um, I guess the, the, the first that I think is... I mean, what was sort of significant about the turn to that speech by the, the doyen um, of the of the parliament, and to sort of talk about one of the kind of catchphrases which people heard a lot about, I guess, in, in, during the election this year, the union of the right, which was sort of Eric Zemmour, the far right polemicist, who we have an episode about a few months ago. Mm. Um, this was one of his sort of slogans, and what mm. he sort of claimed to be advocating for a union of conservative forces um, and basically what he's referring to is the division over the last I guess 50 or 60 years between I guess the Gaullists and the forces that claim to be I guess the children and grandchildren of Charles de Gaulle politically speaking mm, yeah. who are the sort of center right the currently the, the LR. Republicans the LR, LR formerly known as UMP and before that as RPR. Um, this is the sort of the, the Gaullist center-right, Charles de Gaulle's, I guess, political, political family period, yeah. as a force which an important element of it is that it claims to sort of contain the far right, Yeah, goes to sort of de Gaulle positioning in this period. Mm. And by contrast, I guess the, French, the modern French far right, for much of its early sort of history, founded by Jean-Marie Le Pen, who... To, I think we maybe mentioned this in the last episode, was in the French army, was actually on his way to Vietnam during the... When he found when, out when about the Dien about Dien Bien Phu falling. The modern French far right of the Le Penist, I guess, ilk, mm. more or less, came into its own, sure, yes, in the context of Algeria, but also as a result of this this tension with the Gaullists. Yeah. The Gaullists and the sort of so, center yeah, right. The, the origin the, of the distinction in between the far true. right and the center right yeah. 
emerges, or at least the kind of reference points we have for it, sure. emerges in this period. Right. Um, and what's in, I mean, you know, this, this, it, because the Algerian war was both a way for the far right to launder its reputation, its sort of national standing, because of course, in the Second World War, you know, they did some awkward things and they had to lay low for a while after the end of the war, didn't they? And like, shut the fuck up because, you know, you gave the country to the Nazis. Um, and the Algerian war was a way to sort of launder their reputation and it gave them enough legitimacy to, to form parties again, basically. Uh, uh, sort of, and, and bring the different wings of the far right together. Um, and it is de Gaulle's sort of volte face in relation to them which created the big rift, mm. or certainly at the time, not so much anymore, but the rift in between the centre of traditional right and the far right, which is also just traditional mm. as well. Mm. Um, and, you know, the, 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 today when... But today what's interesting is, you know, you have Marine Le Pen, obviously the, the heiress of this, of this far right mm, mm. Uh, uh, sort of legacy of her father, claiming to be a Gaullist. You know, you mm. have far right people claiming to be yours. Eric Zemmour claiming to be a Gaullist. You know, everyone's trying to claim to be a Gaullist because the distinction, the distinction which Gaullism indicated in between the far right and the, the centre right, at least rhetorically, sort of symbolically, has com almost completely deteriorated, basically. Um, and so what we're seeing is a sort of re-coming together of different parts of the right-wing traditionalist family, of, po of, of like political family in France, after, you know, a 60-year kind of... Family feud. Family feud. I mean, because the, the, those early months after the Gaullist coup, yeah. there was more or less a union des droites. France. Well, yeah, so I that's mean, the thing. Be the sort of the very kind of heteroclite forces that worked to bring the Gaulle into power included, yeah, people who were with him in sort of London, his old sort of friends. Yeah. Um, they also included, days, but also Bidenese, included, yeah, like, sort of, people who were with Pétain while actually, the Gaulle was in London. And actually, right? people who kind of hated the Gaulle yeah, 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 because yeah, yeah. they looked at him as the person who killed the sort of. French rights glory days. The hope for French fascism. <laughs> uh, the hope of French fascism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and French Algeria is basically... The reason that this speech by the doyen of the parliament is so carries so much symbolic weight is he's bringing back this... Um, how should we say? this The legitimacy which, Alger which the Algerian war ultimately gave to the far right. Mm. He's kind of bringing that back as... The far right, and this is you were absolutely right to describe it as a victory lap because that's exactly what's happened. They now have institutional legitimacy, they've got almost 90 MPs in parliament. Mm. You know, uh, you know, he is coming back and he's reliving the legitimacy. He, you know, and 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 it, it it's scary, mm. it's it, you know, it, it sounds like nothing, um, to someone who maybe doesn't. Isn't sort of familiar with these kind mm, of French, mm, mm. French kind of I don't know, aspects of French political culture, but it, it's a very scary thing to see it come back into the heart of of of, of pop political institutions. Sure, I mean just the flippancy with which sort of civil war became over the last sort of year year and a half. There's been a so lot of talk. Of became just obvious. Obviously, it's just rhetoric and it's just sort of mm. campaign. Um, posturing and whatnot, um, 
But it's just sort of thrown around as this yeah. sort of imminent specter in France by well, so that, many people on the French right. And, I mean, for example, I guess what's remarkable about this book mm. is just, I can't imagine I mean, the, the, the rigor of research to really stitch together this extremely detailed... Kind of secret <laughs> history. Reading the book is so striking because so much of the language used at the time is still so current. You know, like the language used, you know... France, you know, Islamophobia in, 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 in sort of Western countries is a relatively new paradigm in that it's existed mainly since the 90s uh, as like a governing paradigm of, of the main kind of racism that's allowed. Well, it's the class of civilization. In, in France, it's been around for a lot longer because Algeria, you know, it, they use the same word, the Islamism, Arabo-Islamism, you know, like... The, so it's a bit more cut under with the sort of Cold War. I mean, they, oh, the, that's, the real, no the real question, sort of no fear, question. it seems, was in... But, but the, all the, the talk FLN of the threat is. to Western civilization is very similar. Now, just because it's not global communism, you know, and there isn't a Cold War going on, but the, the sort of, how should we say, that the psychic, phantasmatic kind of world of the far right and its language hasn't changed a lot <laughs> since then and what's fucked up is that a lot of a lot of the political class are just using those same elements de langage they're using mm. those same sort of rhetorical elements that used to be contained to the far right and the elements of the french states that have taken it upon themselves to follow up on i guess these networks in the late 50s in thinking that there is a necessity to wage the battle against the enemy also against the internal enemies this has become somewhat of a of a of a banal i guess practice for example i guess a few weeks ago i worked on this article about and there's been a number of scruffles between the police unions in france Mm um which have become quite right wing, if not far right, over the last it, um, yes, over the last yeah. several years, specifically just in the climate of mass mobilization by police forces. Well, it's like post terrorist attacks, post massive mobilization, post COVID, post COVID. Yeah. They have an enormous amount of leverage on 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 the sure. state, well, on the government, and and basically, I guess one of the I guess one of the general one of the sort of first secretaries of one of these unions. This guy who called himself sort of a, oh, I'm a, I'm a left-winger, I'm a man of the left, um, said in sort of un- extremely uh, non-discreet terms, yeah. if there is a left-wing government in France if there's with, a Mélenchon, with Mélenchon at, at his head, there will be a quasi-insurrectionary climate within the, the national police. police forces. Yeah, and um, that's, an, I mean, firstly, unbelievably shocking quote. Uh, and anyone listening should go read Harrison's article uh, at, um, on the police unions uh, for Jacobin. Very, very good article. But what we were talking about earlier as well is this whole, the kind of, the parallels with the police and the army then. Mm. You know, the army then had all this leverage on the state, this sort of autonomization mm, mm. of the army and autonomization and politicization. Mm. And today it's the police, this sort mm. of autonomization and politicization mm. Mm. of the police. Mm. Uh, there, there are some parallels there, for sure. Obviously, I mean, it's, it would be a, an exaggeration to say we're at I, the level of 
mobilization of the police as the yeah. army. But I, I, I'd be interested in finding out what kind of like political education the police are providing because one of the most interesting anecdotes from this book is how at the beginning, like after Dien Bien Phu, after the d- defeat, uh, you know, there's like a few people who are just like, hang on a sec, the French army doesn't, has never read any Marxist-Leninist literature, has never read any like any of the stuff that, that, that has been written by the people who are beating you, mm. you know what I mean? Uh, and so the, this process of, inverted commas, modernising the French military involves getting Raymond Aron, who is this like liberal French intellectual of the period, in to give classes on Marxism, mm. Leninism <laughs> and Maoism to all these like fash soldiers. But, you know, it became part of this like really kind of sinister psychological warfare operation and so on and so on. And I'm just wondering, you know, do you reckon that, like, in the police, there's gonna there's like classes on wokeism and cultural <laughs> Marxism? Or, I, I don't know. <laughs> have to maybe maybe when your police union contact uh, forgives you for quoting him uh, that shocking quote, he could tell you about it. Um, yeah. So another interesting theme from the period, which I mean comes up constantly throughout French history, but is relevant today again. Is this idea of a Republican front, right. and the reason that it, it, it the way it fits into the the nineteen fifty eight nineteen sixty two sequence is that there is not a Republican front. There is not there was no alliance in between the left wing forces at the time. The centre left force, the SFU, which eventually became the Socialist Party, was doctrine dogmatically. Uh, against the PCF, you know, would systematically not work with the PCF to the point where when the putsch happened by the military, by the generals in Algeria, uh, and it was thought that, you know, because the military effectors were distributed quite unevenly, two thirds of the French military was in Algeria. Mm. So, you know, arguably they had more you know, they could have invaded France, basically. Mm. And there were, and there were, you know, there was, there were rumours, the Secret Service were talking, you know, there might be an invasion and so on. And so militias were formed immediately. Mm. You know, the resistance is still fresh in people's memories. Most of the people forming these militias probably were also in the resistance, mm. you know. Mm. And <laughs> as these militias are forming to protect France from a potential fascist military invasion from Algeria, in that context, even then, the socialists, the SFU, would not work with the communists. Mm. Mm. And so what, what, what happens... In a, parliament, in a sort of arithmetical way in terms of the political institutions is that the centre-left sides with the centre-right, i.e. Gaulism. And maybe that was the right thing, you know, the, the prob- it could have very much possibly been civil war if it had been the socialists and the communists mm. versus the far-right in Algeria and mm. then this sort of, this sort of ir- ir- you know, irreconcilable positions. Um, so they side with the Gaullists and exclude the communists and so the Republican Front never happens, basically, in this period. The, or the Republican Front... Yeah, the Republican Front never happens. There is no coalition in between the left. There is no coalescing in between the left during this position. They are divided. Mm-hmm. And now today, what's interesting is, of course, the left has been divided for quite some time now, but it's just come back together. Um, and so what's interesting is, in the 58-62 period, you have the far right coming together and then coming apart... Right, because they come together in '58, and then they come apart in '62. Well, we can put it like that in simple mm. terms. And then in our period, we have the far, we have the the right uh, coming together. You know, after 60 years of formally being separate, mm. 
and we also have the left coming back together. Um, and so, you know, if we're comparing this period and that period, uh, if that's relevant, you know, the left are in a much better position, arguably. I mean, maybe not in terms of mass politics, you know, union density and so on. But in, in parliamentary institutions, the left are in a better position. It's a bit hard to say because you have an entire generation and network of center-left figures who used to basically man the entire ship that was the Socialist Party, who yeah. are still with the Macronists. Yeah. Who, who yeah, but, yeah, but they're like, with the Macronists. Sure, sure, sure. sure and sure, that's sure. where they belong, sure, 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 sure. you know? Um, yeah. I mean, the, the, this period also did lead to a very salutary sort of changing of the guard on the French left, too. I mean, the, yeah. the kind of the new left generation, the sort of 60s, Starts sort to of form of French radicalism. Mm. The desire to kind of both think beyond the old center-left of the period, the mm. foundations of what would become the sort of Mitterrand Socialist Party. Um, and the government that they... Well, the, yeah. The, um, well, the, the which government was, that they had for 14 years? No, yeah. yeah, 14 years. Which also was built on, at least initially, the idea of an alliance with the Communist Party. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it's that also, did emerge out of sort of the dissident wing of the SFEO and the yeah. younger dissident wing yeah. of the Communist yeah. Party in the yeah. period, yeah. too. Yeah. Um, there were these sort of... The people just sort of caught up in the Cold War mentality that yeah. could not think beyond these sort of different parties, sort of yeah, yeah, yeah. chapelle or whatnot. I mean, the, the broader picture, I think, of this book and what is really sort of, I guess, keeps me up at night, perhaps. <laughs> um, because I guess we don't really live in a world, as we, we gave sort of some of the examples about France and we, sort of the recent, I guess, attempts by the right to revive the language of civil war and whatnot. Um, I mean, in the United States right now, the United States is living through, I guess, a period where it's pouring over and digging into the gritty, horrifying details of what was a far-right attempt to seize power permanently, more or less. Um, and what, I guess, the bigger picture, I think, of this book, and just sort of think about it in this period of French history in the 1950s amid the context of, I guess, an empire in decline yeah. and how that affects, I guess, yeah. democratic politics, sort of the, the, the yeah. what type of sort of politics exists in decline. But what the convergence of, de of decline of national position, national power, sure. combined with the credible threat of an alternative project to sort of bourgeois capitalism yeah. or, or whatever, right? It produces some real scary fucking monsters, sure, sure. basically. And, you know, this is this is exactly what's going on during this period. Not only in France, by the way, of course, sure. uh, but we're talking about France. And it's in this context, I mean, this is what me and you concluded, that, you know, really it's the birth of the modern French state right. in this context of decline. Um, and and what, how the French state responds to this context of decline by restructuring itself. Right. And the answer, I guess, which... And there is sort of a consensus, a pretty broad consensus from the sort of center-left to the Gaullists and the far-right in the period is that what France needs is reinforced executive power, executive prerogative, mm -hmm. and basically a clampdown or a containing, not a clampdown, a, a, a sort of a... a 
Yeah, a containing, a containing of uh, parliamentary the kind of deliberative activity that is Parliament right, and, right. and that was the Republican right, model. Right. Um, I guess we already discussed the, I guess, in the new constitution, we discussed the sort of the enhanced sort of referendum powers for the executive. We talked about um, uh, the president's new power to sort of dissolve parliaments. There are a few other sort of details which are always... Um, uh, which are always, uh, I guess, sort of brought up. And basically one thing to think about is that the Fifth Republic Constitution is designed to give protect, I guess, the governors from democracy, I guess, from the excesses of democracy. Yeah. This is the first generation when there is sort of just a sociological changing of the guard within the French elite. Yeah. Between the Third Republic, the era of sort of the great lawyers and sort of les avocats and whatnot, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, to the rise of, I guess, the modern upper sort of civil service of engineers and specifically, I guess, with a friend called Enoch. Um, so the the sort of goal of it is well, the, to give a sort of governing minority sort of leeway to the people who have the, the skills to properly sure. run the um, state. One kind of classic example of this protection of sort of the minority, more or less, is the Calendar of Trois, which is an article in the in the in the Fifth Republic Constitution which essentially gives the government the, the, the prerogative to decree a law. Um, and Without it, consulting with, Parliament on that law. Sure. Parliament the does only, not vote on that law. Yeah, and it, it can only be used once per year on non-finance laws yeah. or non-sudgeting sort of budgeting laws, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which, if you think about it, is a huge, I guess, allowance. I mean, if any yep. sort of law that can be spun as sort of a finance budgeting law can be forced through Parliament. I mean, that, I think the record was Michel Rocard, who... Use the calendar of Trois some at least dozens of times. Michel Foucault used the but how? You can, you can only use it once a year. You can use it once per year on laws that are not oh, finance yeah, yeah, or budgeting. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, and, and it's unlimited for finance and budgeting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. So basically, um, the only way that parliaments can intervene is if it votes no confidence. The actual concrete levers that parliament might have over the executive are very weak, mm. but they do exist. And the concrete levers that the that the executive has over parliament are very strong but you know sometimes it looks a bit bad doesn't it mm. um and and the papers might say some bad things but ultimately if you're a president mm. and you just want to push through your thing mm. like you, you don't give a shit mm. you can mm. just soldier on mm. i mean this is something you also mentioned in the sort of chronological mm-hmm. review um what really i guess I want to say doped, which is the attempt to speak French, but what really sort of turbocharged the executive power in the Fifth Republic. And just to come back to the election of universal suffrage of the, of the president. Um, so this is something that de Gaulle called for by referendum on just sort of a, on a whim, more or less. I mean, he, he wanted to reinforce the power of the presidency. He wanted to accrue, I guess, more legitimacy to himself. And there's some sort of speculation, so this is in, what, 62, I think? Mm. Uh, and there's some speculation as to if it was sort of constitutionally legitimate. Basically, the, the Constitution says for, um, for referendums, the state can order um, referendum, or sort of the executive can order, the government can order a referendum on 
questions sort of touching sort of public authority. Yeah. Um, which is quite which is vague. Good, yeah, large. Well, that doesn't a, necessarily imply a... Usefully sort of, vague sure. for the user of that property. Sure, sure. The holder sure, of that property. Sure. Um, and also, I must add, in the chronology, which we didn't mention, we ended with the universal suffrage president. The true end, I think, is... Well, no, seeing as this is the Fifth Republic, but we should mention it, there's Algerian independence eventually, sure. uh, which sort of st- the process starts in 62. Yeah. And, you know, so I'd just like to say, long live independent Algeria. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the it's, I guess it's no surprise that, I mean, today, uh, today the desire to sort of re-parliamentarize and re-democratize the French state is has become sort of a, a terrain d'entente or a sort of a... A meeting ground for a lot of the forces of the Noops Alliance. Yeah. Sure, they may disagree on the European Union. They may disagree on nuclear power. They may disagree on the degree to which you want to call out the bankers. Yeah. And sort of the violence yeah. and the rhetoric or about how aggressive you should be with the European Union. Sure. Um, but there is a front, I guess, a Republican front. There's a, there, there is now a political force in Parliament that wants to programmatically institute a sixth republic. Yeah. Um, and, of course, this has been a part of Mélenchon's platform for, for, for some time now. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, this testament to his political talent. He knows what kind of things, where to strike, you know, and this is an important thing because the fifth republic is, you know, coming under increasing criticism because Macron was basically able to run roughshod over absolutely everything mm-hmm. in the last mm-hmm. mandate. In Hollande, the family was of Hollande. And Hollande as well. And, uh, and, and, and now what we're, gonna, we're going into a conjuncture of instability, mm. uh, exciting, rank, like, you know, it's going to be a lot of public debate simply because Parliament will be having a lot of debate on stuff. Mm. It's not going to be a sort of rubber stamp kind mm. of room mm. where, you know, Macron just gets his shit rubber stamped. Mm. Um, and so we're going to see more and more this question of the institutions and their sort of adaptability or not adaptability and what can be done to, da, da, you know, there's going to be more talk of the institution already. I mean, with this news, with all the sort of technical wrangling in Parliament, you know, this is the first time I've given a shit about who's vice-president of l'Assemblée Nationale, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm going to watch my nightly dose of parliamentary. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I guess and the flip side, I guess, sure, there is this broad left-wing space that wants to re-parliamentarize French politics, mm. Sixth Republic, yes, yes, yes. But between Le Pen's amour, the LR, and Macron, mm. there is an embrace of the French Oh, they, they, they love uh, the Le Pen and Zemmour's... I guess defining policy planks. They were explicit yeah. about saying we, when we're in power, we will referendum the shit out of everything. Out of everything in the most polarizing way possible. Yeah, we're gonna like. I mean, they're gonna you entirely know, bypass. They're gonna like. They'll, they'll. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Um, and that that sort of that is a bit the modus operandi of a certain current in the right. That's in all the rights. Really, it's referred to as Bonapartism. In France and, and Macron, even Ma- Macron has a bit of Bonapartism as well, and certainly De Gaulle did. Um, but uh, yeah, so I wonder actually, this is something you know, it's pure speculation now before we, we end the episode. But you know, Macron didn't make much use of the referendum kind of prerogative mm. 
in his last mandate. I guess he didn't need to, he was so powerful. Mm. But it'd be interesting to see if that develops this this time, you know, because he's not he's, he's a clever politician. He might use it to try and polarise mm. around something that's damaging for the left or that's damaging for his adversaries. Um, who knows how Macron's going to really react to this new mm. political reality where he just doesn't have enough power to do the things that he wants. And, you know, there's, there's even rumours of... Uh, of a, of a, of a, him dissolving Parliament, having new elections soon. You know, it's not completely unlikely. You know, if there are impasses, that's probably what he'll do. Mm. You know, I mean, if if it's favourable to him, the context is mm. sort of at least somewhat favourable to him. And so, you know, we're entering into a new exciting conjuncture of the French Fifth Republic, and hopefully, it'll be we we remembered as the last phase of the French Fifth Republic, <laughs> and in five years we will have a new presidential candidate that will win and the Sixth Republic will happen and the land of milk and honey will have come. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have my doubts. No, I'm also somewhat sceptical. Um, it's going to be a longer road than that, I think. Um, but yeah, no, I think I hope we've done justice to... In the meantime, at least, the regime of parties is back. So yeah, nice. yeah. Well, I hope we've done justice to this... to this... To this episode yeah, in French history episode. and to its yeah quite a complicated episode quite episode bit of a taboo bit of a taboo episode in sure. France if we're completely honest um, and uh, you know is there an English version of like yes so I do I think I mentioned this in the last episode but I I think I saw somewhere that there is a yeah, there is a planned translation from I think of Gray Anderson's yeah, book yeah. well I could not recommend it you know if you more. Then, you know, I feel like you could listen to this episode to get the big picture and then read this book. And yeah, yeah I mean, it is a blow by blow, exhilarating. It's exhilarating. <laughs> That's it is absolutely what it is. I hope that people in the French or people in the American right don't get their hands on this book. Oh, because they'll be like, oh my God, is this a script for what we can now <laughs> because do? It's, it's, I guess it's as close as you could possibly get to useful history for them. Yeah, right. Shall we maybe lobby against it being translated <laughs> <Yeah>. into English? <laughs> um, boom. Um, I guess that's, that's all there. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Uh, and, uh, have a nice day. Have a nice day. Take care.